Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Today, we also really want to draw your attention to that their generosity was also a matter of faith and trust, not just for what Jesus did in the past, but also for the grace of God today and the grace of God in the future. So the Apostle Paul is calling the Bible readers, which we at first would be the Corinthian church, now would be us, to a proper view of money not to trust money for happiness and security, but rather to trust the Lord to put some of our money to work for the kingdom of God. Did you know the Lord wants you to trust him with your finances and be generous with what he gives you? Pastor Jim today explains how God promises a special love for those who are joyfully generous. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with part one of his message entitled, the spiritual blessings of generosity. Second Corinthians chapter nine, I'd like to read verse six again. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And the challenge that I'd like everybody to keep in the back of their minds today, and maybe even at some point move it to the front, is this. So how big a harvest do you want? So how big a harvest do you want? Well, you've heard it said, I've heard it said, more than any of us, God has heard it said. We've said it before. Some people say, maybe some of your friends say, maybe you're here today giving church the last ditch effort because you've said it, and people say this, church is all about the money. They just want your money. Whenever people say that, uh, to me, I usually say, could your boss say that about you? <laughs> that you're just at work for the money? Well, it's hard for me to believe that churches are all about the money, but it might be true in some places, yet it should never be true of a gospel-driven, grace-saturated church. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 Tell us a lot about what the Lord thinks about money. And if you are a guest, we're just going through the Bible. If you don't believe me, come back next week. We'll be in chapter 10. And this is where we happen to be this week. And in chapters 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul holds up the generosity of God and our generosity as an expression of our faith. Now, I realize to say that generosity is an expression of our faith may be insulting to some of you. But the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, is not paid by the Corinthian church, so he has nothing to gain. He's not bucking for a raise as he's talking with these guys about this. The Apostle Paul breaks the code of silence on money and challenges our faith. As we covered last week, he's been writing to the Corinthian church in chapters 8 and 9 about a 
collection for the poor people in the church in Jerusalem. We said this is a specific situation that he's taking the collection for, probably over and above normal giving in a church just to keep the lights on and to keep the operation moving. As we often say around here, the gospel is free, but the landlord wants cash, right? So that just above the normal giving to give this money to the Jerusalem churches. And what had happened is that the Corinthian church, either about a year ago or in the previous calendar year, had dropped the ball on this. Interesting, he uses the word collection. It's a word we're told never to use in church. Like, call it an offering, call it a, you know, generosity. Just never call it a collection, but the Apostle Paul does. And last week we saw that the Macedonian church, which was up north in Greece, they're very poor people. They were extremely generous while the people down in the south, the Corinthian church, largely thought to be wealthy, were being somewhat stingy. So how could the poor church be so generous? Well, it was, we saw in response to Jesus Christ giving himself on the cross, and then we were told in chapter 8, verse 5, that they first gave of themselves of the Lord, and then they gave of their finances to Jesus, to the, his work in the world. So their generosity was based on their gratitude for the grace of God seen in the cross and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But today we also really want to draw your attention to that their generosity was also a matter of faith and trust, not just for what Jesus did in the past, but also for the grace of God today and the grace of God in the future. So the Apostle Paul is calling the Bible readers, which we at first would be the Corinthian church, now would be us, to a proper view of money, not to trust money for happiness and security, but rather to trust the Lord to put some of our money to work for the kingdom of God. Now, in America, money is a bit of an obsession, right? A lot of things change in our culture, but that seems to be one that has not changed over my lifetime. And it is considered to be private by many, but it is not private to God. We've said before that money is too important a subject for God to ignore. Sometimes say, well, Jesus barely ever talked about it. I would tell you to read the Gospels more carefully especially the Gospel of Luke. And as we'll see, really, to talk about money is to talk about God. And today, the title of our message is The Spiritual Blessings of Generosity. The Spiritual Blessings of Generosity. So if you're taking notes, there are three things we want to draw your attention to today. Number one, generosity and God's special love generosity and God's special love. Well, he begins with verse six. He begins with a principle. He says this, but this I say, another version says, the point of what I'm saying is this. Another version says, remember this. And he breaks out some Old Testament. There's a lot of references of this to the Old Testament and a farming principle. He says, but this I say, he, another version says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully, some versions say generously, will also reap bountifully. Some versions say generously. So all of you gardeners know this, that if you have a green thumb, some of us don't have a green thumb at all, but if you have a green thumb, 
the more seed you plant, the more plants you're going to get, right? If you know someone who's a really good gardener, you say, oh, you gotta come see my garden, and there's one flower. And you say, I thought you were a good gardener. You go, yes, look at the job I've done with this one flower. You say, how do you only have one flower in your garden? I only planted one seed. So you know that if you want to have a big garden, if you want to have a big crop, you're going to have to throw out a lot of seed. Jesus talked about it in the parable of the sower, of the soils and the seed. There was the word of God. And here the seed, though, is money. When it comes to generosity, really, we are called to trust God's green thumb. You say, what does that mean, Pastor Jim? Well, a farmer plants in faith that his work will produce a crop. We give in faith, we are generous in faith, confident in God's work, confident that God will use the finances that we have given to grow a ministry as he sees fit in the world. Now, some of the prosperity gospel teachers use this text to say that the more money you give, the more money you will get back to spend on yourself. Thus, that's how they explain the chauffeur-driven limousine, some of them, and all the jets, and the Rolodex watches, and the expensive suits, etc. But as we proceed, we're going to see that is not what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. What he is telling us in verse 6 is this. Don't be tight-fisted. Don't be stingy. Because if you are, you can expect that your crop will be extremely limited. His point is this. Actions have consequences. We know that, right? Actions have consequences. And tight-fisted sowers will get a very small harvest this year. And a lot of times in the harvest, where did you get the seed for from the next year? From your harvest. And so if you have a bad harvest this year, how much seed are you going to have for next year? Not much. So we're always sowing in generosity in view of what comes next. So in that sense, a generous sowing is a result of God blessing a crop, and then we get more seed, and then we generously sow, so we get more seed for the next season. Now, don't be fooled by this, friends. A gift may be monetarily small. You may say, I barely make a dime, and, and I don't have enough to get by, but we saw last week in The Widow's Might that a gift can be very small materially, but can be very large. Now, I have, in my life, been part of some fairly decent fundraising activities and seeing you know, for church planting and other kind of stuff, but let me tell you some of the best money that I have ever spent in my life for the kingdom of God. Before I was here, I was a youth group leader. I wasn't the youth pastor. I was a volunteer youth group leader in a large church with a very, very large youth group. And when I went there, I noticed, I first got there and I thought, I said, well, that's interesting. They don't give away stuff. They have a vending machine because there were so many kids there, tons and tons of kids. And everything in that vending machine was a dollar. So that seemed to be a place where a lot of people hung out. So I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, I understand that, but I did realize that, hey, a good way to meet kids is to hang out by the vending machine. So I'd kind of hang out by the vending machine, 
And I just watched what was going on. And some kids came with a dollar or a couple dollars, maybe their parents gave them or maybe they had them. And other kids came with nothing and tried to mooch off the other kids. And so I watched what was going on. Well, then it became my practice for years. I was involved there for about four and a half, five years to go to youth group on Friday night with a wad of ones. And I always made sure, not crimpled up ones, I always made sure I had crisp ones. I'd go to the bank if I didn't have any money and I'd go there with a bunch of 20s and I'd say, give me as many ones as you could give me. And so I would go there and that's the way that I would meet young people. They used to call me, you heard of the dollar store? I was the dollar guy. And that's how I met people. You say, now you're kind of buying your friends. Jesus said that my people are not as shrewd as the people of the world. And it was very interesting because over the years, I would realize that sometimes kid would come to the vending machine and I would say, what do you want? And they said, I don't want anything. I just want to come and say hi. You see, a little thing, a little dollar, a small material investment could pay very, very high and very, very large dividends. It's also true that a very large investment may be spiritually small if it's not done with the right heart if it's not going to the right places. That leads us to verse seven. So let each one, that would be each one, that would be every person sitting here today that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. If that's not you, I'm really glad that you're here. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Another version says, let each one give as they decide in their heart, not grudgingly, not like walking up to the offering box, like, oh man, throwing that in or of uh, necessity, not under compulsion. You know, the pastor begging, oh, please, you gotta give. For, and then, those of you who are older, don't they sound a lot like Mr. Ed? Oh, Wilbur. (laughs) (laughs) For, you have to understand we're about to see an extremely rare statement in the Bible. That God would love people is not a rare statement in the Bible at all but that God would take a particular group of people, not just his people, but a subset of his people and make this statement, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's why this section we're highlighting generosity and God's special love. God says that I have a special love for a cheerful giver that is sowing widely because they want a big crop. So verse six, whoever sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Verse seven, he says, let each one decide how much to give. That's why I said, I think it's important to ask ourselves this question today, how big a harvest do you want? The question is not how much seed you have. The question is how big of a harvest do you want knowing that if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So the apostles teaching us here that we are to determine or we are to plan in our heart our giving. Now, what does that mean? That probably means not just deciding right now. That probably means alone in prayer at the foot of the cross. Remember we said last week, it's hard to stand at the foot of the cross and be stingy and say to the Lord, I want to plan, based upon the resources you've given me, I want to plan my giving. And the Lord wants our generosity to be like his generosity, personal and cheerful 
because he loves when we are like him. For God so loved the world that he gave. Personal, cheerful. Now, last week we said that 50% of people in the churches in America who say they are Christians don't give anything. So some might say this, well, God told me to give nothing. And I'll say, I don't think he told you that. And you'll say, you don't know what he told me. And I'll say, yes, but I know what he didn't tell you. (laughs) You see, if you are saying that, I think you might be missing the point. The point is this. If God loves a cheerful giver, if God has a special place in his heart for a cheerful giver, if God has a special place in his heart for when his children are like him, this is a call to check your heart. This is a call to check your motives. This is a call to check your values. This is a call to check your joy in God. This is a call to check your faith. This is a call to check your trust. Some people say, well, generosity is a matter of the heart. In fact, a lot of people say that. I don't disagree with that statement, but I think it could be expressed maybe in a different way to help us all see this from God's vantage point. Because what does that do? When you say it's a matter of the heart, it puts everything on you. Rather than soaking in God's grace and then being a distributor of God's grace. So I prefer to think of generosity this way, better to unpack it as a matter of theological understanding. Generosity is a matter of theological understanding. The grace of God towards us, the grace of God towards you, the grace of God towards me, God's kindness, that's what we called it last week, towards you, towards me, God's generosity in giving his son towards you, towards me, properly understood, produces the grace of God in us, so the grace of God comes out of us. The grace of God to us comes in us and then is to come out of us. Remember, we're not producers of grace, we are distributors of grace. We're not a factory of grace, we're just the warehouse that distributes grace out to other people. In other words, the grace of God both motivates us and empowers us to live our lives more like Jesus. So when we look at the cross, we see the love of Jesus, and then the Spirit of God, as we internalize that, causes us to want to be more like Jesus, and he empowers us to be more like Jesus. So here's the question. Here's the question. Does God only love cheerful givers? Yes. Just seeing who's awake. No. No. But here we see that the Holy Spirit pours out special grace, special encouragement, and special love on cheerful givers. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. Maybe call me selfish. Have at it. Don't you want that? I want everything that God has for me. Very interesting. Jude says this in his epistle, his letter. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So if God has a special love for cheerful givers, what's one way you keep yourself in the love of God? By being a cheerful 
giver. So the Lord wants you and I to sense his joy in our generosity and in our service. Now, some people say, well, I can't have any joy. If I, I'll give one, I have joy. How often have we said that what we should do is we act and let our heart follow our actions? Too often we're waiting for it to feel a certain way instead of doing what God says and then realizing we are reaping the spiritual blessings, the spiritual harvest ourselves. Just how about the matter of not having to deal with all the low-level guilt that we often feel? And so often our heart comes in tow to our actions. Number two, generosity and God's special provision. Generosity and God's special provision. Verse eight, I'm going to read it twice. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Why do you want to read it twice, Pastor Jim? Because this is one of the most wonderful statements in all of the Bible for God's provision for generous people, for God's provision for cheerful givers. Let's go slowly. And God is able. It says this, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Again, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Back in Romans chapter, well, actually after this, in Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was talking about Abraham from the book of Genesis. He and his wife were old, and God told them that they were going to have a son. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes about Abraham, Romans 4, 20 through 22. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So he traded in his doubt for faith. And being fully convinced that he, that would be God, had promised he, God, was also able, there's that word, to perform. And then what follows is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. God said, you're going to test me on the impossible. You're going to see that I can do the impossible. And Abraham said, okay, we'll see what you can do, God. We're going to trust you. And God said, just that trust. That's why we are accounted as righteous before God when we put our trust in Jesus. And so here God says about Abraham, that trust is how I count him righteous. He believed that I was able. So again, verse 8 here. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things. Very interesting. That word is in the first century Greeks, they use that word sufficiency for self-sufficiency. So he is going right after the self-sufficiency of his own culture, that you'll have all sufficiency in all things. Some of your versions add at all times, may have an abundance for or enough for what? Every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he quotes Psalm 112, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
Verse 10, he sums it up with some Old Testament illusions from Isaiah and Hosea. He says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Now that's not, he's not going, supply the seed you have sown. That's not like the guys on television do. That's not what he's saying. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits, some of your versions say harvest, of your righteousness because you what? You believed God and it was credited to you as righteousness. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.